This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. I am a beef eater. I paid $45 for a prime rib in Rochester, Minnesota recently that was, disappointingly, not that good. We have a local restaurant called the Prime Rib for a reason. I had a great prime rib for $38 here to make up for the one up there. I do most of the grocery shopping in our family, which means I get to buy what I like to eat. I buy the meat, and I do pay attention to the price. We have freezers, so I stock them with roast, bulk hamburger, and tubes, as well as vacuum-packed loins and strips. I rarely buy chicken, and the same with fish. Pork would be the competition with beef on our grill. I can still remember when prime rib at the meat counter was $9.99 a pound, and cattle were $1.10. Then there was a fire in a Kansas Tyson beef plant disrupting kill capacity, as well as a pandemic that ate into the beef packing industry workforce that prevented the industry from processing cattle. Cattle numbers on the front end of the beef supply started burdensome and got worse for an extended period of time depressing cattle prices. Fewer cattle being made into beef reduced production short of demand despite closing steakhouse restaurants due to the pandemic. Meat counters of supermarkets got busy as consumers grilled at home. As the supply contracted, the price of beef went into orbit while the price of cash cattle diverged going south. Consumers were being asked to pay what I believe were exorbitant prices for beef despite retailers initially absorbing some of the negative margin to cushion the price hike from being worse. Feedlots were losing money despite the wholesale margin of beef setting records for packers. Packer margins inflated from both ends. Feedlots being uncurrent on marketings took what packers offered them and at the low point were just happy to get shackle space. Packers were not bashful about lowering bids for cattle. They were also not bashful about inflating asking prices for wholesale beef, putting the onus on retailers to find ways to sell it. At first, retailers took one for the team, hoping that the beef price inflation was temporary. They knew how much that consumers were willing to pay for beef, and that threshold was exceeded in the wholesale market. It was not temporary enough, and they eventually had to price retail beef in relationship to the wholesale market. Choice ribeyes went to $25 a pound, priced like Wagyu. Actually, ribeyes went to $12.50 for 8 ounces in an effort to reduce the sticker shock. The soaring price of beef worked through the entire supply chain as restaurants were put in the same position as were retailers. At first, they absorbed the price increase. When they could no longer do that, they changed menu items, selling less beef, and they increased the menu price of that prime rib from $22 to $45. There was some lag time before they changed the menu prices, where the cheapest place to go to buy a steak was at a restaurant, where you could buy that steak along with a potato salad and get a waitress for nearly the same price as the steak at the supermarket. By buying cattle lower and selling wholesale beef higher, packer margins at one time went to $1,500 a head, about equal to the entire value of a finished steer. I would have not had as much problem with how beef prices set record highs if the price of cattle had gone up with beef. I never imagined that the price of beef could get so high as to repulse me as a very strong beef buyer. I walked away from the meat counter with a package of pork chops and went home and opened the freezer for beef. I do not believe that we consume less beef. 
I used my freezer inventory to avoid the price gouging from packers. Having long been a cattle producer and whose family still is, I am a committed beef consumer, but many consumers are not. I believe that testing the limits of beef demand with price will have cost us some consumers, destroying some beef demand. Pundits like Cattle Facts tout how strong that beef demand is. I do not think that we know that yet. Typically, when high prices have rationed demand, they then have to fall in order to entice that demand to come back to the market. That can be a painful, protracted process. I fear that the beef market may have to do that. Packers will then pressure the cash cattle market accordingly as their beef margin contracts. Feedlots did not share the wealth created by the high beef prices, but I am sure that they will be made to share the pain of beef price weakness. Most pundits like cattle facts lay the blame for industry disruption of events beyond anyone's control and have been forecasting that happy days are about to return again for producers as feedlots get more current on marketings. I lay blame on industry structure, and the only ones happy in the beef industry have been the packers. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com. Or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits.